Hello, this is Victoria with Hope Service Dogs, and we specialize in dysautonomia and started service dogs and breeding really good dogs. So uh, we wanted to do a webinar, which will later become a podcast and a YouTube just on dysautonomia service dogs because it's not as popular. It's a new thing. I believe we're the only um, organization that does them specifically. Uh, I've talked to a few different trainers who, uh, yeah, they, they've done them for people with dysautonomia, but you know, like I've been doing them for 18 years because it's how I got into it. And I actually remember I got diagnosed in, let's see, I think it was 1995. Yeah. I is when I finally got diagnosed Been passing out since I was in the single digits. I was 19 when I got diagnosed and I remember calling up and looking up different organizations for service dogs to see if they could help me at all. And of course it was always a no, no, no. We can't help you uh, if they got back to me. A lot of them didn't get back to me. Um, they, uh, one of them told me that it would be $500 application fee to get on the list. And once I was on the list, they would let me know if they could help me or not. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound right. Cause don't forget guys, this was back. Uh, this is probably in the mid to late nineties. Uh, our apartment was like 325 a month and they wanted 500 just to tell me if they could help me. Like, if you can help me, I will find the money, but not to just tell me if you could help me. So we, you know, we just kind of didn't do it. Now you got to remember what was internet like back in the mid to late nineties. Like it was dial up. Uh, some people had the higher speed telephone stuff, but we didn't. Uh, YouTube wasn't around. Uh, TikTok was not around. You know, it was hard to find information, hard to get information, but trial and error, um, just things happened to fall as they, as they did uh found a dog my son was young he's 20 now he's almost 21 so i'd say it's at least 18 years uh we were living in maryland we find a dog uh my sister and i because he was at a park and there was a siberian husky running around i don't recommend a siberian husky as a service dog but uh we caught the dog brought him home started training books and vhs tape because remember when i said it was a while yeah it was a while ago and noticed that the dog was alerting me before I'd pass out. Now, Luke was young and I remember I passed out. When I pass out, apparently it looks like seizures. Um, my husband, the first time he witnessed, he was like, that wasn't passing out, that was a seizure. Uh, and my parents were there and they're like, nope, this is what happens. Uh, so we, I remember coming, coming back around to it whenever Luke was little and he's you know, jumping up and down on my chest. Um, which isn't good. So he knew mommy just kind of got tired and fell asleep sometimes. And he had to just like wait beside mom. Uh, and the dog, you know, as we did it, I noticed she just blocked me sometimes. And the block is she would come and she'd stand straight in front of me, blocking my path, you know, perpendicular to me. She would just block me. And it took a few reps before I realized what was happening. And that whenever she blocked me meant to sit down because it was going to get dizzy. And it worked, right? Like it worked out really well for us. Um, and I listened to her for quite some time. And it's a really weird, here's gonna be a little offshoot on that story is years later, we're living in Gainesville and we had to go to 
to pick up mom from the airport in Jacksonville or somehow like we were driving and we were in, in this little town that we're never at. And we stopped at a Walmart to pick up something for her, you know, for her trip or for, you know, while she was leaving or when she was coming. Somehow we're in this town in Florida that we've never been to before. And this woman comes up to me and, and we were new to the state and I didn't know anybody. And she says, you know, Vicki, booze your boo is the dog, booze your guardian angel. I'm like, who the heck are you? And we had all split whenever we got into Walmart to get like whatever we all needed. So it's not like she heard me saying, you know, me and Rich talking or me and mom talking. Like she had no idea who I was. It was just me and Boo alone. I did not have Boo's name on anything. I didn't have my name on anything. This was pre, um, you know, coming out and training other people's dogs. It's, it's been, you know, for professionally, but um, it was, just, it was a really weird experience. But, but yeah, so Boo was my first service dog and she would alert for me, um, trained up other ones. And then I'll train up a lot of times for people who also have dysautonomia. Um, a lot of times people tell me they want an alert. I have done multiple for alerts, um, multiple alerts for people, I guess, not multiple, like one, two, three, four alerts, but, um, but we wanted to talk tasks about dysautonomia service dogs. Uh, what tasks, what tasks we love, what tasks we don't love, um, tasks we recommend. Uh, we will have a Q&A time if you are on here live. So if, if you want to pull up that chat button, you are welcome to type up in the chat. I do get um, info on those. Okay, so tasks we, what are tasks, right? What are tasks? Service dog do work or perform tasks for the person with a disability. So what are tasks? They're what the dog does to mitigate your disability. And mitigate means like help you out with. And a service dog does need to be task trained. Now you could say, well, what about the dog who naturally alerts? And we're gonna get into that. Examples of trained tasks are, you know, the oops retrieve, grounding, behavior interruption, deep pressure therapy are some of them. And yep, they, they can all work out with uh, dysautonomia, but uh, we, do like, uh, we do like tasks. Everyone should like tasks. It's good to have tasks. Uh, tasks we love, and I'm gonna go over, I have a whole list uh, about the tasks that we love uh, that help out really good uh, for people who have dysautonomia. And then there's tasks that I don't like. And so I want to start with the ones I don't like just because it's a much shorter list. And then I have time to go and explain the tasks that I do like. Um, tasks I don't like is go find a rando in a store. Go find, if you're going to find help, if you need that, uh, go find your friend, go find your partner, go find a parent, right? Not go find a rando in a store and hope that they know what to do with your medical condition and they don't end up kidnapping you. Like that's not... Uh, I don't like, just go find a rando. Uh, I don't like jump alerts. Um, have I taught them? Not for dysautonomia. Um, I don't do that because I also don't teach a center um, for dysautonomia. I don't teach a center for mobility dogs either. Um, it's just, it's gonna put it unsteady on your feet. A lot of times if you're dizzy, you do not need a dog jumping on you. Uh, like I said, I have done jump alert because it worked out really good for the dog and for the handler. But it's not one I would ever do for dysautonomia. And the one I did it for was not a dysautonomia one. Um, not get underneath your head. So whenever you're um, 
thrashing, you thrash onto the dog. Your head weighs, what, about 10 pounds? It's like the size of a bowling ball. It does not need to be crashing into the dog. Um, and then you also don't want to have your neck at a weird angle. I passed out um, multiple times in the bathroom. Yay, thanks for sharing, Vicki. Uh, multiple times in the bathroom. And one time I remember coming to while I was throwing up. I'm like, yeah, imagine if I was trying to throw up and I had a dog behind my head and I had my neck bent so I wasn't on my side. Like that's, that's not good. And uh, we also don't train a catch fall. And I've had people request it multiple times. And I explained, no, we don't train catch me if I fall. Because even if you only weigh 100 pounds, soaking wet, and you have a big old Mastiffy, Great Dane, Newfoundland mix dog that weighs more than you do, you know, first to get that dog into position to, you know, catch you safely is just, it's, it's hard on the dog. It's going to happen too quickly. It's not, it's not a task we recommend. Uh, some, apparently, migraines are really big with dysautonomia, and I just thought I always had headaches. And I do have headaches, but guess what? A ceterin migraine, yay for TikTok knowledge, is supposed to help out really good with those headaches that just don't want to go away. You know, it's not migraines. I don't get an aura. I don't have to go into a dark room and not, you know, have any light on for five days. Um, but, but I do get headaches often. And apparently that's part of dysautonomia and EDS, who knew? Uh, a lot of people who have dysautonomia also have EDS, which is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is wonky joints. Um, and then um, they also have anxiety uh, a lot of times, right? And I mean, if you're wondering if you're going to pass out all the time, like I totally get it. Um, there's times that I go, we're what, about maybe 10, 15 minutes from town? And we're being in town and we have to drive home. And I'm like, I don't know if I can make it that far because they also have IBS is another big one. So dysautonomia, some big ones, uh, deep pressure therapy, underneath the legs to raise them up and stay with me during an event. Uh, EDS, brace, forward momentum pull and the oops retrieve. Uh, migraines, maybe guide to shade, bring meds, find an exit. Anxiety, maybe behavior interrupts, DPT, grounding you know, just to give us some, some ideas on what you want, what you might work out well with. Yeah, those words actually go together into a full and complete sentence. Uh, yay, we've got a nice, a nice group here. So yeah, like I said, chat, I see so we have a question. Uh, do you find that it's easier to teach a heart rate alert versus a uh, blood pressure alert? Chelsea, that's a great question. And we'll sidebar and we'll do that. And then I'll come back to tasks um, that I like. I don't know what the alert's for. <laughs> uh, when I do a dysautonomia alert, how we do it, and I'll do a whole one, I promise, at some point, guys, on scent uh, and scent alerts, right? Because it's totally, it's all different for scent alerts. Uh, I've also had people refer to it as a cortisol alert or a something else. There's another one too, but cortisol, blood pressure, heart rate are the three big ones that people will say like, I want this. Um, they used to not know what diabetic dogs were scenting for just that, right? Just that, uh, some dogs magically would know and some dogs didn't. Well, then they go and they found out what it was. And for diabetics, um, the low smells like acetone, 
I'm like, it smells like nail polish remover. Okay. And the high smell fruity, but they figured out what it was. Um, they figured out like the numbers are usually below 70 for the lows and that you do want to start with that because it doesn't smell as good. Like nail polish remover doesn't smell as good as, as fruit salad does. So, you know, a lot of times people want to, you know, like I only have to worry about the highs. Well, it's the lows for diabetics that are the deadly ones, right? So you have to train the lows first. Well, but I never have lows. Well, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes diabetics will flip and then they'll go from having just highs to having just lows and the lows are what kills you. Um, the highs, it'll take time to come down. Exercise helps it to come down. Drinking water helps it to come down um, for diabetics. But like I said, they used to not know what it was and now they do. And the same thing is going to happen potentially with this autonomia. The problem is there is way more people with diabetes than dysautonomia, probably, right? Because we got to add that in there too. And it used to be that you couldn't do a diabetic alert dog unless they had type one diabetes only. If they had type two diabetes, which is the adult onset, they, they, you couldn't do a service dog. Well, you can, but things change a lot. So people, what is it? I don't know. Like I can tell you when you're feeling wonky, because that's my medical term for it is when you're feeling wonky to collect a sample. How do you collect a sample? You could, I used to have swabs right here from whenever we tickle the puppy's toes. I just put them away so I don't have them or I would demonstrate with the swab. Um, what you could do is take a swab and get a saliva sample on one end of the swab, get a sweat sample on the other end, bend it, put it in a snack size Ziploc, put an address label sticker on it. Not like one that actually has your address on it, but you wanna take one of the ones that you buy to put in your printer and write on it the date and what was going on. So if I'm gonna do one for dysautonomia, I'm gonna do like, what's today? 7-18-2022 at 7.14 p.m. I felt hot, flushed, wonky, you know, the world was spinning, whatever it is. And I'm gonna put it in the back of my freezer in a mason jar, quart size mason jar with a gallon size freezer Ziploc inside of it, possibly two of them and sealed both. And then a top on the mason jar because samples are worth their weight in gold more so. And I'd have people who would drop off samples for like say diabetes and they would uh, come to pick up the dog afterwards. Do you have any samples left or did you use them all? Because guess what? I don't start with samples that are needed. Uh, but that's how you collect a sample. Uh, the sample has to come chilled. I've had people bring me dogs and the dogs, uh, well, dogs and, you know, and the scent samples, the scent samples been on the car seat beside them for the two hour drive here, not in a cooler. And it's more than room temperature. I, I can't use that. The sample's dead. Samples are good for supposedly three days in the fridge. I do two days in the fridge and about three months in the freezer. Now on the breeding side of things, some um, semen that's been frozen for 25 years is still producing good swimmers. So like how good is the sample actually good for? Don't know. Nobody's doing tests to find out how good a sample is good for for training up a service dog. Nobody's doing it, right? So you could do it, but I want to have a good sample. Can you use a sample multiple times? You can, yes. Um, you have, Lita. Two days in the fridge is better. By third day, this is so disgusting, guys. Um, by third day, the sample is getting moldy and gross. 
and there's like little flecks on it, especially the sugar samples, even the lows, which is really gross. Um, they'll getting little flecks on it. So I don't use them once I see those, which is like I said, usually day three. So days one and two, once it thaws, you can use it and then you can put it back in the fridge and then pull it out, thaw it, use it, put it back in the fridge. So I want it to come to room temp. And so just those few times, and maybe if I'd only pull it out once a day and train with it, it'd be a different story. Um, but they are for diabetic ones, um, which is what we usually do. If it's dysautonomia, I just use myself and I'll tell you about that next. Um, but what we'll do is um, for it, for diabetics, it's just spit. Like we don't do sweat. I do sweat because I'm like, if we're going to do a Q-tip, let's, let's do a sweat and a spit, you know, like why not? But there's caveats to that. If you're doing a spit sample, you're doing a spit sample, don't, um, you can't have eaten anything. Um, no. One of the dogs is out and he wants in really bad. So he's coming to the door here, trying to get in and he can't get in. And so Lita's like, there's somebody out there. And I'm like, really? So, um, so yeah, we, don't eat anything for an hour beforehand. Yes, you can drink water, but don't eat anything beforehand. Um, and then if you're doing a sweat sample, no makeup, no uh, anything like that, right? Don't, don't do, um, look, I've got whatever. I just did up my face and put on perfume and hairspray. And now, uh, I'm gonna uh, get this sweat sample. Like it, it's not gonna work. Don't don't do it. Okay. You know you want to set the dog up for as much success as possible. Um, so so do do good. Sweat, no scent. Where are you gonna get no sweat? If you just did up your face, if you have hairspray on. Um, sorry guys, we got boob sweat. Um, that might work out good. Uh, lower back sweat you know, like where your tramp stamp would be if you had one, um, that might be good. Uh, maybe behind your knee. Well, what if you just put lotion on? Well, then you can't do behind your knee. Uh, where else could you do? You could do um, inner elbow right here, like whatever sweaty, sometimes your whole body's sweaty. That might work out really good. Uh, so you've got that, right? You've got some, uh, some options there. If you just ate and then you're not feeling wonky, you can't do a sample. Now, if you just had water, that's fine. If you had water with liquid IV in it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, because it's just not, it's not going to work out well, right? Uh, so, yeah. So, we have, uh, we have that. We have some ideas there with getting the samples, with storing the samples, with using the samples. I will, when I pull them out and they're in their little snack size zippies, pop them out. I have little metal tins and I pop holes in the top of them and I put a ceramic heavy duty magnet in it. So then I can attach it to things if I need to. Uh, and then I will keep it in the little Tupperware thing, you know, the little metal disc, right? So we'll do that. Uh, and, and then I could pull it out. I can use, I could put it away. What some people will do, they'll smear it on themselves. So like, if I was going to train up a diabetic service dog and that, that cotton round, 
or dental cotton is usually what's recommended. And I had a whole bunch of dental cotton and I would give out kits for this because we did so much with the scent stuff with the dogs. Um, it, it's saturated, right? It's gross. And, and people will like smear it on themselves. I'm like, that's so gross. That's somebody else's spit. I cannot smear that on myself. Like it makes me gag just thinking about it. So what I can do instead is take that little metal disc and I can pop it in my pocket, right? I can pop it underneath my sock. If I have sleeves, I can pop it like up the cuff of the sleeve. So then the smell is gonna permeate. And if you're wondering how does a dog smell scent cones like that, because there's a whole, whole other theory side of how to do scent work the best. And it is nice to be able to tap into that part of the dog. But if you think about uh, like one of those uh, fireworks that you light up and it like becomes like smoke, right? That's how scent's gonna work. If the wind blows this way, the smell's gonna go that way, you know? So the scent has to kind of rise up from a cone, you know, there's a scent cone and then finding the source of the scent and, and all. Um, but, you know, you can do that. But that's not where you start. You don't start with anything that I just told you. Where do you start? Honestly, you start as three-day-old puppies, introducing them to early scent introduction, which is what we've been doing up on TikTok. We've been putting up a lot of videos on that. And what it does is it just teaches them that scent has meaning, that there's different scents out there and it's neat. Like that's, that's it. That's my whole intro is that it is not, let's start with my scent sample because this is what I need. It just starts with scent is here. Um, scent has meaning. And I'm seeing if I can find one because we did a few of these up on our TikTok. Yep. I've got it here. Let me, let me see if I can screen share. Um, boop, boop, boop. Here we go. Okay. So here's, hopefully it's coming up for our TikTok. Um, here's the Hercules litter. This is our Hercules litter. They're not quite a week old yet, but we've been doing early scent introduction with them. Today, it's strawberries. And what you do is while their whelping box is being cleaned up, while they're being weighed, we go through the early neurological stimulation, which is another video, and we add in the early scent. What that is, is we just hold it up by their nose so they can smell it. Some of them can be a little bit squirmy, but we offer them the opportunity to smell it and just introduce that scent to them. Some of them like it and they'll pull their nose closer to it. And some of them will rest their nose on it and just smell, smell, smell. Some will give little happy sighs. Some were squirmed so bad, it's hard for them to get a, a breath of the odor. And some of them will smell a little bit and pull their head away really sharply like, oh, like that one right there, right? Like, I'm not sure about that. All reactions are fine because it's just introducing scent. This is our Hercules. Okay. So then it just loops because, you know, TikTok. So this is what we do is we just take scent. Um, this was strawberries. It was a fruit. We'll do food. Uh, we'll do flowers. We'll do, uh, you know, hay from outside. Uh, we'll take a cotton round and we'll rub it on the goats or on a cat. 
uh, on different animals uh, and we'll, we'll just let the dog smell that. And it really is neat. Sometimes they will, you know, their eyes will light up and they'll get in there for more. And sometimes they're like, no. Uh, and, and like I said, it's all good. It's all fine. None of them are wrong. And we'll do that from three days old until their eyes are open about two weeks old, a little over maybe. Uh, and that's where we're at right now with the Hercules litter. So they turned two weeks old today. Uh, they got warm today and I try not to do too much. So if it's like a nail trim day, we might not do scent. Um, if it is a nail polish touch up day, you know, I don't want to overwhelm the puppies or stress them out. So that is stage one, which you have to know the breeder. The breeder has to do this stuff for you. Haha, <laughs> you know a breeder, me, and, and I do, do this stuff. do that by letting them. So here's scent. the next thing that we do. This there. is scent imprinting. You know, they're sniffing, they're getting a lot of scent. We'll blow me, into their face. And then blowing into their face also. So that And then we'll snuggle the puppies, just soft like this. Body, soft the breath. And as they get older and they want to lick me, um, you know, I let them lick me. If I'm not feeling good, I might keep the clothes I was wearing and use those as a sample or get samples. But it's, this is different from my baseline normal that we want. Right. So that's in addition to, you're going to see again, introduction. it looped, but I'll let you watch this little next bit. Our puppies with scent. And the scent that we use for the most part is me um, and decided. It's like I said, I've been doing it for a while and I found that, yeah, I smell good, apparently. Who knew? Um, but, but we'll do that. So those are the first two things that we do is uh, stop, share, ha, and we're back. Okay. Um, introduce the scent and then I'll just nest them here and let them smell me. And if I'm having a wonky day, which is my technical term for it, I will just rotate through puppies. If I know the litter, if we're having anyone for dysautonomia in that litter, I will do it. Um, most of the times we do, and I don't know at this age, who's gonna go in for dysautonomia. And if they're gonna do any sort of medical alert, I'm gonna make sure that we're doing it, right? Uh, now that my mom lives close, she's type two diabetes. If she is, uh, having a wonky day too, I will, and she's over here, I will uh, work on imprinting the puppies with her scent also for that. Um, but those are the first few things that we do. And then what we'll do is maybe around five, six, seven weeks old, we will just start playing some scent games. And I have Nosy Nose, which is a little tin um, set up with these little pillows. Um, if Barbie had a pillow, like an extra long pillow, it would be like that. Like that's about the size, right? So it's a nice size and we will introduce the puppy to those scents. And how it is, is, you know, here's a scent and the puppy will come over and kind of smell it, we'll click and we'll feed. We'll put it, smell it, click and feed. Smell it, click and feed. And then maybe I'll put it down um, and, and they'll come over and it's not in my hand anymore, but it's like right beside my hand, like within usually about six inches, a foot of my hand. And then they start sniffing it out because now it's not just being offered to them. Now they have to search it, but I'm still not using like my scent samples that I've made because I've made them. I don't use them because I, I feel wonky enough that I imprint. Um, so we'll do those. Right. And at least once a month from about the time of seven, eight weeks old, once a month, we will take about three days and we will do scent games with the dog. Now, if you do a lot of scent, 
often the dogs who are really good at scent don't do a lot of obedience. So the dogs who are really good at obedience don't do a lot of scent or don't do it well, which can be difficult, right? You don't want that to happen. So that's where, you know, it's nice to have that balance of it. Uh, and, and if we want it, that's something needed. Now, do you want a scent alert? I don't know. Um, personally, I've had dogs who will alert for me like Boo did. And at the time, I really needed that. Now, I, I don't use it as much. Um, the last one I had who did scent alert for me was uh, Django, my Mal. And he would come like running across the room and dive bomb onto my lap for it. Like that was his alert was just, he'd get into DPT without being told to. Which at 80 pounds, that was a lot of dog dive bombing onto my lap. And then there's, uh, you know, like I said, people who really want it. Like if I would be in the bathroom, <clears throat> I have episodes in the bathroom, I would have to shut the door and lock, basically lock it. Like shut the door uh, so he wouldn't come in. If you're going to have wonky times through the day and do you really want the dog coming over saying, hey, hey, you, hey, you 20 times a day, you know, if it's going to be I'm presyncopal a lot, but I don't really pass out, you know, it might be a different thing. There's a, enough that can be done for dysautonomia service dogs other than scent that you don't need scent to have a real service dog. Right. And there's not going to be one right answer for everybody but we want to look at where you're at and we want to look at where you're going to be for what tasks are going to be the best tasks for you to have for your dog, for your service dog. Um, so a scent alert dog, a medical alert dog is not the right dog for everybody. Uh, it's not the right task for everybody, but it is the popular one now. So like I said, I don't do a heart rate specifically. Why? Apple Watch will tell you. If your heart rate's above 100 for 10 minutes, you can click just a little button and on your uh, phone app and it will alert you that your pulse rate has been over a hundred for 10 minutes while you're not doing anything. And it was happening quite a bit. It's because the doctor, I was on two meds. I want to say Coralinorm Propanolol. And he was like, let's try getting you off of one. And then if you're doing well off of the other one, and I did, and I was just getting hit multiple times a day while I'm doing nothing that your heart rate's over hundred for 10 minutes. And so I'm back on those. And now my heart rate is much better. Um, I'm not hitting the numbers that I was hitting. I was on other meds too. And I was still hitting one fifties, uh, quite often through the day, which it shouldn't have been. Now I'm in an 88. My high today was a 98. My low was a 49. I like it, the Apple watch. I can check and see things. So like, I don't have that. There's other things that I need my dog to do. Uh, you know, a uh, syncopal alert isn't, isn't a huge one because if I'm going to pass out, I'm going to pass out. But like I said, that's me. Uh, blood pressure, again, don't know. Um, you know, like you, you could possibly, the thing is, what is it that the dog's alerting to? Is it a uh, release from a hormone? I've had people, they hear the heart. You know what else I've had people tell me? that my dog is, my service dog was across like three states away from me. And he was with my mom and I was over here and he alerted her and she called me up and she says, honey, you better check your blood sugar. And sure enough, my blood sugar was high. So my dog alerted from three states away. 
And no, your dog didn't alert to me from three states away. It is a repetitive, habitual behavior. For example, you come home after school every day and you get a snack and because your sugar's low and maybe that brings your sugar up higher, right? And so your dog knows every day at three o'clock when you get home from school, you have a snack. So every day he'll, he'll tell you like, hey, you need to check that and get a snack type of thing. But your dog cannot scent from you from three states away. Uh, here, we got some more questions here. Do, 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 do. Sample multiple times, yep. Um, Alex said, if your dog is already alerting to your pre-syncopy scent, can you introduce a new scent like oils or coffee, et cetera, for games or other scent discrimination training? Will that confuse them or send them, set them back? Um, Alex, you can wait for her to come down with us if you'd like to. You can work on collecting some samples now uh, and play with those, but you can definitely do some scent games. Like I said, scent games are good. It exercises their nose. It's like cross-training for dogs, but not. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you want it to be good um, for her. So yeah, you could definitely uh, do like coffee. Coffee is a nice, strong scent to start with or get with that nosy nose. And that's N-O-S-E-Y, N-O, yeah, S-E, nosy nose. Uh, they have it on Etsy, I know. Um, but you can get that. And then it's like I said, these little pillows, it's corn cob and I think it's anise um, scent. And then it comes with refills and stuff. It's a really neat kit. I really like it. It's a great starter one. It's a great tool. And then instead of trying to find like what scents to do, you've got it. We also, Alex, I know the online course had about using the mason jars. I'm not even using the mason jars anymore. Um, this is a lot faster. It's a lot easier. Um, it's a lot clearer to the dog and it eliminates a lot of the stuff um, that we would have to later on eliminate. So we're I'm actually working on what videos we need to shoot to update the online course, but it will be updated in full. Um, every video on there will be reshot eventually. Hopefully this year, that's my goal. Uh, Robin said, if this wasn't done early on, can you do basic scent work for older puppies or dogs or where do you start with a year old dog? Yep, you can. Uh, I would just start with nosy nose and, and like, here's the scent, smell it. Okay, cool, you get food. Here's the scent, smell it. Okay, cool, you get food. So for that, I would make sure my dog's clicker was supercharged, which means click ends behavior, comes to you, gets the reward. Um, and I would just introduce it. So, you know, you hold it, come and get it. They come smell it and then food over there so you can reset and then food over there so you can reset. If you're using the treat and train or the manners binder, that works also uh, for it. But I would, um, yeah, you can definitely do it. I like imprinting early. It takes care of a lot of the work for me. Um, I like to train, but I've also trained multiple dogs who don't want to be a service dog, who don't want to do medical alert. Um, and there are dogs who are brought to me and they are really difficult if they don't have that foundation. So I like doing them from birth so I know what they have. Um, there was one woman, she was in the dog field. She was a veterinarian. She brought her dog to us. It was a a hunting breed, like a pointer. And she wanted it for her daughter who's diabetic. The dog did not want to do scent at all. Well, he did, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to trail the chickens and the paths they took while they were running around the yard. But he didn't want to do the diabetic scent because it wasn't thrilling for him. It was very difficult. He did not want to do it. And he was older. He had no training whenever he came to me. 
you know, it's one that this is one that I told her, I'm like, he doesn't want to do it. And it seems to be the case with um, those, those type, but like, I like my goldens, my goldens do well. Um, my poodles do well. Uh, Michelle asked, is it better to have more diverse samples for feeling the same, like five different samples? Um, so like if I'm feeling wonky, I can do, uh, you know, you can make up multiple samples. Like if you're diabetic and you're under 70, you can make up like 10 samples out of the same spit if you want to, if you have enough spit to do it. Uh, and then you can do them. So like say diabetic is because it, and why do I use that? Because it's a measurable thing and people understand it. If I'm doing a low, it's going to be 70 and below. So I could start with the lowest scent. That is my, the best scent, right? So if I have like a 30 or 35, like that's gonna be the best scent, the strongest scent. Would I start with that? You could. I'm gonna start with these other things first. I'm gonna start with the nose, you know, so I'm gonna start with the coffee. I'm gonna start with different scents to teach them that scent has meaning. And then I'm gonna bring in the good scents, you know, cause I don't wanna waste the good scent when they don't understand what it is that they're scenting. Uh, and then when I work, I'm just going to use one sample at a time. Now you have to know when you're doing scent stuff that you have to take away everything too. For example, I remember talking to one guy, we were teaching a tracking and nose work class together. And one of his stories was he used to work with the police department down in the Miami area and they were training the drug dogs and how they do that is, and we've done this with some of the, uh, like gluten dogs, some of the food dogs is, um, we would get like about a week gluten and we would soak toys in it. Like we just put them in the same bag together. Um, you know, if the scent doesn't deteriorate and degrade, you could do that. So for drugs, that's what they had done is they had soaked towels in the scent and not like wetting them, but just like putting them in with the scent to permeate the smell into the towel. And then they rolled it up and did duct tape. And then they'd use that to play with the dog, play a retrieve game. And the dog was um, not alerting to the drug. He was alerting to the duct tape. Like that's what he did because then it proved him, wean him off of it and teach him that it's not the duct tape. So when you're doing this, you need to, it's not just my spit that you're, or my hormones or whatever it is that you're alerting to. It is this specific scent with it. So it's not all scent it, or it's all, not all spit. It's this specific scent. That's why I like to just, when I'm wonky, I will call my dog over. I will get him up into DPT. I will hug on him. What happens when you hug on a dog? You know, your elbows like right there, they'll sniff that. If they want to lick my arm, I reward them for licking my arm. Um, I reward them for smelling me. Uh, I might have special treats that I use at that time, but usually attention is a pretty big reward and it works out really good that way. So that's why I call it wonky because um, that's, that's what it is. It's my wonky smell. Um, Caitlin asked, do you find any correlation with how they respond young, negative, positive, or neutral to how well they alert, uh, to take to alert training when older? You know, we used to uh, record that whenever we were doing the early scent. Uh, if they moved towards it, if it, it was a plus. If they stayed neutral, it was a zero. And if they turned their head away, it was a minus. But guess what? This isn't a bad thing to have happen. It's just showing the dog doesn't like it. And sometimes we'll use things like lemon or maybe vinegar. Like we don't always use good sweet scents like strawberries and oranges. So some dogs are gonna be like, whoa, that was strong. 
I remember one of the litters, the dog loved using his nose and we just kind of painted a little trail and he just followed that little trail. So that was pretty neat. So we were doing it, um, but like I said, you know, and even like this, if, if he's neutral, well, what if he's sleeping? Because remember, we're doing it while their eyes are, aren't open yet. So like they could be just sleeping. Um, so, you know, we do it with that and they, they smell. And sometimes, you know, you can see their nose twitching. And that's, that's my favorite. And usually over the close to two weeks that we do it, like there will come a point where like they like it and like a few of them. And then as they get older, we just kind of see who has that natural preference for scent. Um, Chelsea says, my pup has been in scent work as an intro and is loving it. What are your thoughts on working with the dogs who have had some health issues? He's too being worked for malignant hypotheria. He's great inside working on DPT and putting items away, but is struggling with public access because he overheats so quickly. Very eager to work though. And I'd love to teach him cardiac alert. I don't train dogs who have health issues. It's happened before. You know, um, one of them, what was it? There's been two big ones that I remember doing. One of them, the dog had to have one of his legs amputated and the trainer really, 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 really wanted to use him anyway. And he, you know, she was a novice, not a novice. She was, um, she enjoyed training. Um, she actually became a dog trainer, but she, uh, she wanted to work on, um, well, working this dog. Cause she's like, I don't need him to do too much. He's coming to work with me anyway, all the time. Cause she worked as a vet tech. Um, the dog needed a total hip replacement because it was too much strain on one of his legs. And uh, if he would have just been a pet dog at home, would that have happened? You know, is that fair to him? It wasn't fair to him. Um, another one, the dog was deaf. It was a little dog and she, she would drop things a lot. She had um, something up with her hands and the dog, just, she just needed the dog to pick up small things because it was small things she had a hard time holding like pencil or utensils or, you know, makeup brushes and stuff like that. So like the dog could do that when the dog was deaf, which, you know, like, okay, like as long as the dog knows to, to get what's dropped, uh, you know, like it can work. It's, just, it's harder on the dog. It is so much harder on the dog. I, I refuse. I want to do if the dog has, um, has medical issues. Uh, and I don't know what hypotheria is. You're saying he overheats so quickly. I assume it has to do with that. I live in Florida. Of course, it's hot here all the time. Now, if you want to teach him DPT, um, if you want to teach him scent alert for at home and for something fun to do with your dog, I don't see a problem with that at all. Uh, you know, I'll play with stuff with my dog that I don't need just for something to do. Uh, you know, we have pictures, well, pictures, we have videos of Gypsy, like bringing me a Kleenex. Like, I don't need her to bring me Kleenex, but it was something to work on in a hotel room whenever we were traveling. Um, so, you know, like it gives you practice for the next one. It gives him something fun to do. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't worry about public access because of that issue. And he can just, you know, be the fun dog at home. And then the nice thing too, Chelsea, is every time you train another dog to do it, you become better and better at it. So like use him and then see what works, what doesn't work. Because guess what? Next dog might be total opposite. And it might be something that is working out really good with this one doesn't work out at all with the next one. Because um, I'm going to do some TikToks on this too, um, because I love them, but in some um, Instagram infographic things. But, you know, dog training is like making chili, not making a cake. You know, like I want more turkey in my chili today. You want no turkey, just beans in your chili. Like it works. Whereas, you know, you make a cake, you have to be precise with everything or it's going to be a hockey puck and nobody wants to eat a hockey puck. Um, so, and that's where too, we get volunteers who come out. 
which is fantastic. They'll come out on volunteer day. They'll come out just on their own. They'll work with the puppies. They'll work with the younglings. They'll work with the older dogs. And the more they work every dog, like the better they're going to be just all the way around, which is really nice. So people think like, I'm only going to work my dog. No, you're going to work with other dogs too. Um, Kimberly said they have good hearing too. Maybe they're hearing your heart rate go up. Exactly, Kimberly. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we could, how, how could you test that? Um, you can get one of those heartbeat bears and put it behind something and see, you know, but like we use heartbeat bears as their puppies. So yeah, so like I said, I don't know what it is. I know that I've done it <laughs> and I'm sure others have too, but I don't have to say like, well, my blood pressure was this and then it went up 20 over 20 in five minutes. And so therefore it's this or my pulse is here and now it's up more because I think your pulse is going to a little bit throughout the day too. And Caitlin said, at least for me, I had to be careful not to accidentally cue the alert when training. Yes. Oh my gosh, Caitlin. Yes. Like the phone out, subtle body language. So it could be hard to not to subconsciously do when using scent alert, scent only alerts. Yes. Caitlin, that is so huge. And you'll see it a lot on, um, you know, the trainer videos. Uh, after, look, my dog's queuing. Look, here's a plate. Does this have gluten on it? You know, and the dog's like, boom. And she's like, yes, yeah, see, he told me it has gluten on it. Well, you, you also cued him to do it. You know, like you can't do that. We need it to be something neutral. Uh, well, no, that's just his do it. Well, then how are you going to test it to make sure that the dog, that it has gluten? So for diabetic ones, sometimes the dogs will get and all scent, right? Sometimes a dog will get annoyed because you're not listening to him. He might come up and say, hey, you're wonky. Blood pressure, cortisol, heart rate, sugar, epileptic episode, whatever it is, right? You're wonky. And the person's like, no, 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 dude, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he was like, no, I'm telling you, you're wonky, you're wonky, you're wonky. No, I'm fine, just go away, just go away, just leave me alone. Like, let me, I have to get this done. You think your dog's gonna alert next time? You know how many times you can ignore it before that's not a something your dog does anymore. And it might not even be something that you're trying to do. It might really be that you, you know, you're, you've got to just finish off these last couple paragraphs of whatever, or, you know, I just, I can't do anything about it right now. I can't lie down. I have to sit here because of whatever reason. And I can't, I can't take precautions. And then here's the next thing is what are you going to do if your dog does alert? What, what, what is it? Are you going to take emergency meds? Um, I think I can take like an extra midrodotrine a day. Um, I've got a emergency med bag and it has body armor, liquid IV, salt tabs. I think maybe a couple of midrodotrine. So like, are you going to do those? Is it going to be get me down? Is it going to be get down and put, get underneath my legs to raise up my legs to get the blood back to my core where it belongs? Um, is it going to be go get help? Is it going to go be grabbing my phone? Because if it's, and, and this sounds really crass, but if it's just, uh, I'm going to go down and pass out and I might pass out, who knows where, you know, Apple watch has fall alert on it. And if you don't respond that I'm okay, you know, cause it'll say, Hey, it looks like you took a fall. You okay. If you don't respond, yeah, I'm okay. It'll go and it'll ding your emergency contacts and let the EMTs know exactly where you are, which is pretty cool. Right. Um, so yeah, you have to really be cognizant of that and not accidentally cue the alert. 
And there's a whole clever Hans, H-A-N-S. And it was a horse back in, I think it was over in Germany, um, but one of those German, Germanic areas. Uh, and this miraculous horse could count. So you'd say, what's, you know, two plus two, and the horse would stop his feet. <gasps> See, he knew it was four. What's, uh, I don't know, anything. You know, the horse would get it. He'd pomp his feet and he would get it. Now, how did that work out? How did, how did it happen? Because his horse must know his numbers, right? No, it was based on people's facial expressions. So it would look like this, right? How many is it? One, two, three, four. <gasps> he got it. Well, then the horse knew to stop tapping his foot because everyone's like, oh, he's a genius, he knows. And like people were convinced that this horse could do numbers. Horse going to do numbers, or we're just read facial expressions. So that's where sometimes it's a sense alert, sometimes it's a sight alert. I've had people, I'm epileptic, or I have seizures. No, I'm, I'm, I have seizures. Okay. Uh, are you diagnosed epileptic? Nope. Well, what are, what's the cause of the seizures? Um, we don't know, but it's seizures. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um, you have to find out from your doctor, though, what's the cause? Like, what is it that we're doing? Because if it's due to a misfiring in the brain, or if it's due to hormone or whatever else, or is it due to um, some psychiatric service dogs can do seizure alert because it's based like panic attacks will kind of be seizure-esque, right? And if that's the case, that is not a scent alert. That is a sight alert. And they're different. And so for a scent alert dog, if you need a scent alert dog and you're coming to me, you're going to get a dog who uses his nose, who gets it, who likes scent, who, who likes the challenge of seeking it out. If you come to me and you need the sight alert one, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe you get like as white as a sheet and 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 because I have people come up to me, like my friends and family, not like randos on the street. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling fine. And like two, three, five minutes later, I'm not feeling fine. You know, like that could be a, a sight. So if we can get the dog to keep an eye on you, that's a different dog potentially than the dog who is smelling, right? So there's, you have to know what it is that you want, that you need. Um, Kara says, my question is more general about finding a dog to train for dysautonomy and related conditions, which are very, very energy limiting for me. So, and for so many of us, yeah. All the recommended breeds for service dogs are very high energy and have significant exercise and activity needs. I'm having a hard time figuring out how I might ever be able to manage to provide the dog with adequate activity and exercise with the level of fatigue I experience, even on a good day. Like, can I take them out for a few short walks a day? Um, but getting them an hour plus of exercise a day seems very challenging. Girl, I got you. Um, I got you totally. So. I have people all the time who want weird breeds for whatever reason. Goldens are the best. And I'm just going to be blunt, guys. Don't care if you got one of my poodles or one of my dobies. Goldens are the best. Uh, if you go show line golden, they're going to be less energy consuming time wise than if you go field line golden. Trust me, I have both. Um, but it's not just that, right? So people be like, well, I have what are they? English cream goldens in there. No, show line, field line. So the show line are usually calmer for any breed. If you go labs, show line is usually calmer 
than field line. Field line has more energy. For example, Albert is field line. Albert and R2, my two boys, right? I'm good with that. I've had Malinois. I've had Border Collies in the past. I am good with an active dog, but there are times I'm not. So you know what happens during those times? Rich and Luke get to work them. So that's one plus, or one of my trainers gets to work them a little bit more. Um, the dogs also learn retrieve. So we'll get, I just got two new chuckets in and a whole bunch of new balls in. So we've got over five acres here. So we can come out with a bucket of balls and, and, and chuck it. And when we do that, it's usually for like at least half a dozen dogs at a time. If I just have my one dog, I might have just three balls out or something, right? And, and play with them that way. That's going to work on task stuff. It's going to work on recall. It's going to work on your send away. It's going to work on retrieve, possibly deliver to hand or drop it in the bucket. Like, so you've got those and you can do that while you're sitting. Go out on the patio, sit there and toss the ball. If you're doing scent stuff, you might do scent stuff just to give your dog, like burn up some of them brain cells. Uh, you could do box work. So there's stuff that can be done. And with Gypsy, when she was a puppy, she is almost six now. When Gypsy was a puppy, it she was so, um, so fantastic as a puppy. Like she was the cutest puppy. And if you're on that online course, that's her, that's baby Gypsy on a lot of those videos. Um, but Gypsy, uh, about four months old, I had a bad month and I'd, I'd have bad months, you know? So like I had a bad month and I didn't, I didn't work her too much. Like she'd get a little bit of work, but she wasn't getting the work that she should have got. And that's okay. It's not a problem. Um, you know, it happened and, and she did really good with it. Uh, even though like I felt bad for it, uh, but it made her, her bond with me better because of it. Um, I've talked to people who maybe they, uh, you know, they don't have somebody there with them. Maybe their partner goes out and works during the day and they're home alone and they don't know what to do. So like I have doggy doors. Um, we have six doors that lead outside from our house, which you're, why do you, why are you telling me this for a reason? Two of them have doggy doors. So if I'm not doing good, I can just open it up and then we have the dog yard and then we have the whole five acre yard and then we have different, you know, outside yards, but we have the dog yard right around the house. So I can just open it up and they can go in and out if, if need be. So like I've got things in place that work out well. Um, I'm going to conserve my spoons as much as possible for that, uh, shower chair, lift chair, uh, wheelchair. Uh, I keep it cool in the house. Um, but you're right too. Like I have to put my dog's needs ahead of my own at times, which is hard because some days I'm just like, I just can't. And Rich knows it. So there are some days that, you know, that's why I often get the job of puppy sitting first, especially for us 48 hours for the first two weeks. So, uh, we don't leave the puppies really unattended. You know, there is somebody back here. I might go into the living room and get something or go in there and, and have lunch uh, after the first week. But like I am back here keeping an eye on them so mom doesn't roll over on them or they don't hurt themselves. And then then they're, they're doing pretty decent. I still like someone's still usually here. But like this time I'm going through and um, redoing the puppy workbook. You know, I'm doing a lot of stuff with this. I'm watching the Dysautonomia International Conference that was over the weekend. I got cut off on shows. Like, I think it was the Mermaid Litter. I, I binged Supernatural. You know, I had started it and that got me, I finished Supernatural during her puppy confinement. Uh, you know, for me, it works, right? And then if I want to, like, I can say like, hey, I want to work some puppies. 
Uh, I can have Luca Rich, you know, take the dogs out, potty them, bring them to me, bring their food to me so I can just sit and work them. So I try to do what I can do to the best of my ability, which is why I'm the one who you always get to see on here and not Rich, is he's usually with the dogs. Um, but if you're thinking, if you have a dog in mind, Kara, let me know. Let me know if you're like, hey, I'm thinking I need a Mastiff because they're big and they're lazy. I'm going to tell you, heck no. Mastiffs don't make good service dogs. Well, my friend has a Mastiff who's a good service dog. I don't care. I'm not going to ever recommend you get a Mastiff as a service dog. Um, or Greyhounds because they uh, they run and then they're tired. Golden's Gypsy is lying right here. You know, like they're usually around me. Even the boys, Albert will come around and just lay by my feet. But then he's ready to go if need be. We had him, Albert, and we had, uh, I think, three of the mermaid litter, which are show line versus the working line at Universal when they were about six months old. And we, we did some in the park. And then we went and we ate. And they all slept while we ate. And afterwards, the mermaids were like, I'm ready to go home. And Albert was like, that was a good nap. Let's go some more. So a lot of times that's the difference between the show line and the field line, right? And like I said, right now we have show line. We have Euro show line uh, and American show line is what we're doing. And then we're going to bring the boys in to add in some because what's happening, what we're seeing is we want a little more oomph from them. Not a lot, just a little bit more. We need an off switch, but we teach an off switch from the get-go. And what we're seeing too is some of them have lost that love of retrieve, which I mean, they're golden retrievers, like it's in their name, they should not retrieve. So we want to do the, um, you know, just bring a little bit of field line in. And like I said, for me, it works out really good. Uh, Julianne says, have you ever heard of a dog trained to detect another dog's diabetic lows and highs? I'm sure I've heard like, um, what is it? Urban legend type of thing of it. I don't do it. Um, um, you know, if you want to put that much time and stuff into it, I'm sure it's probably going to be about the same as what we do it, but you'd have to use, uh, you know, you'd have to check and see if it's the same, if you can use human saliva or if you'd have to use dog saliva, and then you'd have to prick the dog multiple times to figure it out. You know, like, are they having a low? I don't know. Let's check and see. Now let's get like, I'm not going to do that. So I don't know. I don't know is my big answer there, Juliana, Julianne. Blake says, what do you do when the dog doesn't seem to enjoy its job anymore? Do you give them a break, add some play, more fun outings? If so, for how long? And then she has a two-part question. Um, Gypsy's retired, Blake. Um, Gypsy really hasn't worked much this last year. I brought her to the uh, J-Jack, uh, Joel Silverman, Larry Crone workshop just after Easter here in Orlando. Uh, we did Universal for half the day, and then we did um, that, and I called up Rich and he had to come and bring Albert out and take her back because she was just done. Um, she wasn't enjoying it. She hasn't enjoyed it. She, for the last year, she hasn't wanted to go out in the car. You know, like if I wanted to bring her somewhere, I would have to leash her up, lead her to the car, lead her into the car, and then we'd have to go somewhere. And that's not fun. Um, so you can see that for some dogs that they don't want to do it. Some people are in denial. Some owners are in denial. Um, so, you know, what she gets to do now is she still hangs out. Like she's right, right beside me. Um, she's still right, right at my feet all the time. She follows me around the house, but I can see because she'll be six next month. It's hard for her sometimes to get up. It takes her some time to get up. Um, 
she gets to just be an auntie to all the puppies, which is a full-time job in and of itself. Like she loves to play with them. So if she is a good auntie for them, like I know she's happy doing that and she's much happier doing that than, than she would be if I would take her out to the stores. You know who loves to come out to the stores, who will sneak out the fence the first chance he gets to jump into the van. Even if I'm just going to the van to get something, he will jump in it and be like, okay, come on guys, let's go. I'm here, let's go. Albert, Albert loves to do it. And seeing the difference in them, like, okay. And then R2, um, I brought him to do his eyes and then last month to do his hips uh, for his health testing. And, you know, he was like, I don't know about getting up in the van. And he was like, roaring at me and like wanting to play. So we'll do some play stuff with him and we'll see um, what he wants to do, but it is good um, to, sometimes it is good to take a break. Um, always add more play. Um, you can do the fun outings. You can't just do like a McDonald's run and grab a, a hamburger for him, right? Uh, and see how it how it is. But if, if well, let me know too, Blake, if that's who I think it might be, if that's your girl or if this is a client dog or if you're just asking for giggles. Um, if it is, I, I would take that as a signal, like it's probably going to be time to get another um, dog because it takes a while to train them up too, which is hard. Not Avalon, oh, thank goodness, like a client, client dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that's probably going to be the time. But I'm going to tell you something else, like um, I'm seeing people who are expecting too much out of the dogs too. And it's not good, right? Like they're still puppies, like they still have to be puppies. And I'm seeing for some of them, they're treated more like just medical equipment. While I will jokingly say like, yeah, you know, the dogs consider medical equipment. Like I've got the whole wheelchairs and service dogs video up on YouTube. Medical equipment, they're still dogs and you still have to have that relationship with them. You have to have that before anything else. And if you are just looking at them, and I know this isn't you Blake, but just the general view, uh, is a tool to help with your disability and not your best friend and secret sharer and partner cohort in crime, don't have a service dog, right? They're the greatest. I love doing this and it's fantastic, but like they have to be, they have to be your best friend and your partner and, and you have to love them and play with them before you expect them to work for you. And what are you using instead of the mason jars? Ha, that's a great question. Who knows you knows kits um, for those or like the little metal tins with the holes popped in the top. I'll use those too. Um, but I like the nosy nose um, tins. Those are fantastic. Um, Faye asked, should I be collecting samples to send to you? Nope, don't worry about that um, yet. Uh, and then Faye, if you want to message me privately, you're welcome to. What's the matter, puppies? They were in there. Mom was in there feeding them, and then mom just jumped out, and they're like, no, mom. Um, yeah, let me know what it is, Faye, because I'd have to pull it up and see. Um, if it's for dysautonomia, don't worry about it. I'm good with that. If it's for something else, you know, let me know. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's a pain shipping samples, but, you know, if we need them, we'll need them. If not, we'll just work generic scent stuff and then um, show you how to do uh, Caitlin asked, what do you do when they try to alert just for treats and praise? And you found out the kicker. Um, cause, cause you have, you know, you, you do have to watch for that. And that's if they would come up and, and alert and you're like, well, I don't know. 
maybe allow them up into DPT, pet on them, love on them, see, well, maybe them coming up and doing that saved off something too. Some of it is putting the trust in, seeing, um, I got the video, I think I used to promote this on TikTok, uh, Pandora um, nose bumping uh, into her owner's knee. And she sent that video clip to me and she said, what do you think? And Caitlin it reminded me of our session whenever she was alerting you, when your dog was alerting you. And, uh, and I asked her some questions. I said, Has she, does she do that? No. Does she do that for attention? No. Well, what does she do for attention? She does this other thing. Okay. But she's working on that nose bump to the knee as an alert for, for the scent. Okay. Um, and she was eating something. What well, did she do after begging? No. And I asked a couple other questions and it was the right answer. So I'm like, I do believe you got yourself a alert, you know, which I like a nose bump alert. It's great. And then um, Caitlin says topples, um, lick mats and Kongs are lifesavers to have in the freezer on bad days. Oh, you betcha girl. Uh, Cheyenne, I think at least every Monday, she will fill all the Kongs. We'll go through like a case of canned food. She'll fill up all the Kongs and put them in the freezer so the puppies get Kongs like every day, every other day. They're teething now. Snow White litter, they're about four months old, a little over. They're teething quite a bit. So those Kongs are fantastic. And then Kimberly says, besides oops, retrieve and DPT, what's recommended for tasks? Great question. Okay, you guys got your pens ready? We're going to go through tasks. Uh, for dysautonomia and EDS, the alert to changes in medical condition, right? That's what we just spent all this time talking about. Assistant position changes. So sometimes getting up from sitting, sometimes going from standing to sitting or lying down, you get the changes assisting with those, right? You know, what really helps out a lot is my lift chair. With the lift chair, I don't have to worry about it because I don't usually wear a harness in the house. So, well, I don't wear a harness in the house, but Gypsy usually doesn't, didn't. Um, and Albert, I have to start him on harness. Um, but he's also, what, just about a year old. He's 11 months old. So he's a little bit young and got to watch joints and clearances and all that stuff too. Um, so he can't do full on mobility, but I can get him started harnessy stuff, uh, maybe forward momentum pool, which is one of them coming up. Uh, balance supports. Brace or lean against the handler, grounding, perhaps. You, you need that. Some people are going to need that tactile. I don't, but some do. I don't like it when a dog leans. That's one of my pet peeves. That's why I don't like labs. Um, but balance support, right? Embrace or lean. I do do brace. I'll do brace for assistant position changes. Um, so, so I have that, right? Um, brace really helps out tremendously. Um, counterbalance. I'm um, going leaning listlessly to the left and I need to go straight. Counterbalance. Deep pressure therapy, and not only across the lap, but across the lap and pushing into stomach to prevent blood from pooling in the stomach after digestion and causing you to feel wonky and wanting to pass out. Yeah, that's a whole side task right there because I'm in Florida, I'm not wearing compression hose. And the DPT is nice, but the DPT and the lean against my stomach, or if I'm lying down, come across my stomach, um, especially if you just eat and helps out tremendously. And apparently you're supposed to like graze a little bit throughout the day instead of like five to six little meals a day instead of three big meals a day. I'm like, what are we hobbits? Like, I don't eat three meals a day. I don't eat, I'm not eating more than three meals a day. Like I might take a little, but I'm not, mm -mm. Uh, find a location or items, maybe find the exit, find the car, find a bathroom, find a chair, um, find a person, 
um, find a, get a family member, you know, all of that stuff. I don't use that all that much. Um, sometimes while we're working, I might work, you know, like turn left, turn right. Um, uh, you know, uh, find the exit, you know, just for something to do with the dog. But I don't, like, I don't use it all that much. Um, but I do use the next one, which is Ford Momentum Pool. I used it a lot with Candy, um, Candy the Doberman, um, the Doby that we bred. Uh, she was mobility. She was strictly mobility. So she was brace, counterbalance, forward momentum pool. I remember once we flew, it was a nighttime flight. I hate nighttime flights. It's, they're terrible. Um, but we flew up to North Carolina and our flight was the last one in and we had to go from like the farthest all the way up to baggage and to to get the rental car and there was nobody there this was pre-wheel you know i didn't bring my wheelchair up with me there was nobody there to say like hey can you go get me a wheelchair like i can't walk this she for momentum pulled me the entire airport because i my legs could not function at that point like i was exhausted and it was a really bad flight. Like I thought I was gonna die on the flight and I didn't know if it was the compression socks that I was wearing. Cause again, it was evening and I do better in the morning um, or what, I don't know what was going on with it, but like, I thought I was gonna die. And I was with somebody and I couldn't even say, I don't feel good, I think I'm gonna die. Like, I just thought like, I don't, I don't think I'm coming out of this. Like, I don't see what's happening. So that forward momentum pool she also has forward momentum pulled me i remember once was from like the dr seuss area at universal here to the parking lot to the car because i just put it now i use my wheelchair so i don't need it she also was very good at brace um brace forward momentum pool and counterbalance candy was very good at all of those so once i got the wheelchair i didn't need a dog strictly for brace counterbalance forward momentum pool so that's why we no longer have candy right like i I don't need those tasks anymore because I'm going to go out and I'm going to bring the wheelchair. So, um, you know, so we, we find another home for her where she gets what she needs. Um, and I don't feel guilty about it at all. Right. Uh, get a family member. I don't train this one personally. Um, I don't teach them go get rich because if rich is outside of the fence, it's not fair. Or if all the doors are shut and they can't get out, it's not fair. Uh, grounding, I do teach in grounding. Huh, Ginger's actually doing it right here, right now. Um, if you're getting a ginger puppy, know that your puppies are going to be good at grounding because she is. And that is sit right here and let me lose myself in you. You know, face me, face away from me, whatever works, but just, just let me use, use an anchor to reality in this world. Medication reminder is another one. I don't do medication reminder personally. My phone does it, but you know what? I also ignore my phone half the time when I miss a meds. So maybe it would help to have, have the dogs come and like bug me until I get up and do it. How would you teach it? Put it on food or play with the dogs. If you feed the dog every day at nine and five, because that's when you have to take your meds, guess what? Your dog's gonna be letting you know that it's nine o'clock. Problem comes whenever it's daylight savings time or whenever um, you, you travel. And now it's not five o'clock, it's three o'clock, but your dog thinks it's five o'clock. Um, oops, pickup is one of my favorites. This one I teach a lot. I use a lot. I love it. Albert was demanding me do this with him earlier today. He was like, drop something so I can pick it up. Um, oops, pick up. Drop something the dog picks up and hands it to you. Potentially pause up to hand it to you. So I drop things a lot. 
that's rich. I drop my phone constantly. There's a reason I must have a case on my phone and it is because I drop it a lot. So pick up whatever I drop and hand it to me. And the key for that is, oops, I say the word oops, and they pick it up and they hand it to me. So much so that when mom was down last time visiting, we were sitting in the living room and she, she dropped her glasses and she says, you know, oops, because that's what you say when you drop something. And Gypsy comes over, picks them up and handed them to me. Mom and I found some more. So I thought that was kind of funny. And I was hysterical about that because um, she thought I had said it and somehow it dropped way over there. Um, proprioception awareness. This is, so oops is one of mine. Um, you know, it's not just a retrieve. It's a, oops is one of Vicky tasks. I came up with it. Proprioception awareness I also came up with. Proprioception awareness. What is proprioception? It's the awareness of your body in space and time because I'm a Doctor Who fan. And then I had somebody ask me like, well, how, how is it awareness of your space, of it, space and time? And I'm like, oh, you need to watch Dr. Who. So proprioception awareness. I just broke my foot again, like last week. Seriously, like I broke it last year. I did the exact same thing. I came out of the bathroom and we have a bookcase there. It's a different bookcase now. And I whacked my foot against it. I did not see stars this time, but I still, I broke my toe. Last year, I broke two of them. This year, I only broke one of them. Yay, I guess I'm getting better. So proprioception awareness is if I have my dog healing on my left side, which is always my bad side, well, then my dog's healing over on that side and I'm not gonna hopefully whack my foot into bookcases and break my toes. Um, or if I can't stand to have somebody touch me on that side because it hurts, I can do proprioception, I can have the dog on that side. So then I have a buffer and people aren't gonna rub up against me. Um, reassure, reorient after a medical episode. <laughs> yeah, so there's medical alert, which is again, the sense stuff that we discussed. Medical response, what do they do during? And medical recovery, what do they do after? So medical alert, we discussed medical response. What do I want the dog to do while I'm passed out, while I'm having an episode? I want the dog to stay with me. I do not want the dog to go get help. I do not want the dog to go get my phone. I want the dog to stay with me. I want them in a sit state or a down state beside me. Um, many less people come up to you if you have a dog there marked as a service dog and you're on the ground. And trust me, I've tried it both ways. If I am at the ground on my own with no dog and no people, oh my goodness, everybody and their brother came up to me. This happened at Walmart last month, no, two months ago, I think. And everybody was coming up to me. Um, you know, I told my parents because we were there together. Rich was at home um, with the dogs and Luke wasn't with me and I didn't bring a service dog. I wasn't feeling good. So I just laid down at Walmart and everyone's coming up to me asking me what's wrong, how they can help me, if they can get me a chair. One guy got me a chair and then he's like, like, we'll get on it. And I'm like, I can't sit up right now. Like, just give me, thank you. I appreciate it. But like, leave me alone. And they wouldn't leave me alone. Well, I've done it with the dog there. They leave me alone. So I want them to, the dog to stay with me. And then afterwards, Ginger, um, it will again be that maybe reorient, um, that grounding, let me hold on to you because I don't know what's going on in the world. And this is my one sure thing. As much as I'm with Rich, we work together, we live together. I am still with my service dogs more than I'm with him because they're with me all the time. They don't run to the store to get something without me. And every time I go to the bathroom, they're there. Um, maybe grounding, maybe licks, maybe pets. You can pet the dog, right? Whatever works. Retrieve medical equipment, emergency meds, or, you know, well, oops, retrieve is, is already here. Um, so maybe you need the medical equipment. Maybe it's go get me my cane, go get me my walker, 
um, go pull over my wheelchair. Emergency meds are in the same spot. Don't put them in a drawer in your bathroom or in your nightstand. Have them at the same place all the time. You can have a bag in the living room, a bag in the bedroom, so your dog make it easy. Don't teach your dog to open up two doors, open up three cabinets, and then close up everything when he's done. Okay, make it easy for him. Um, stay with me until help arrives. That could, you know, that's good if you're going to do the help. Do an Apple Watch, not alert a rando. Remember, don't don't do randos. And then under legs to raise. And I actually saw a really nice TikTok on this from a trainer. I believe she had a German Shepherd um, underneath the legs, and then the dog was very adamant about winning. Right, so it was underneath the legs, and and if she was like on her side, he he get get her to roll over. It was it was neat. I like seeing it. What if your dog only does one of them? That's fine. Your dog doesn't need to do 20 hundred tasks in order to be a service dog. Um, yeah, yeah. Caitlin says, because we were on a call and, and her dog, I'm like, Caitlin, how are you feeling? I think your dog's alerting. She says, I'm so glad we were talking during that time. She knew something was up and had a hard time communicating. Caught on eventually though. That's, dogs do have a hard time communicating with you. Your service dog might. So that's why I put a lot, I want nice communication between um, somebody asked me directly, um, what do you do on bad days or training sessions, uh, when you don't have a help such as the wonderful Rich and Luke, uh, if it is just me and my service dog and I don't have the help, I will just make it an easy day. It might be that I sit here and I fling food over there. They come and get it. I fling food over there. They come and get it. I, or maybe I'll try to capture behavior. If, if I want to work the dog, um, like sits or downs, you know, like, R2 right now, we're working on capturing down. So down, and then wait him out whenever he does it, you know, mark and reward or mark and room service, two different marks, not the same one. Um, or maybe just something easy. Uh, I was really dizzy, what was it, Saturday night, and I could barely walk straight. They were created. I'm not, I'm not about to deal with it right now. Um, if it's client dogs, you know, I didn't do, I did privates a lot before Rich joined. I didn't do a lot of boarded trains. I do privates and group classes. If I wasn't feeling good, I could teach from sitting for the most part. Um, and if it was private clients and I wasn't feeling good, I could call in and say, hey, we need to reschedule. I don't feel good today. And someone get annoyed and they wouldn't want to reschedule. That's fine. I'm sorry, but my health comes first. I can't, I can't be working if I don't feel good. Now, if it is, I would, when I'm good, I would train good. And if I'm having a bad day, I do box work. I do, um, you know, maybe uh, behavioral downs or sit on the dog leash. Um, if they know retrieve, you know, maybe take that, chuck it outside and burn up some energy, maybe do some scent work. Um, I like to have stations set up. So I would put together kits um, we have a kit of oops, retrieve stuff in the office, and that's what Albert wanted today. In the worst way, we were working and straightening up the office some. Um, he wanted to get all the all the things, all the toys, uh, and he he would you know kind of like nudge that. He really wanted to work. You know, if you have a dog who wants to work, you know, like okay, I'll work with you some. I could have worked with him more. I didn't, but he was having fun and enjoying it. Um, thoughts on wheelchair pooling? Uh, I was playing with it with Arrow, my first mouth. Um, I didn't, haven't done it too much with Gypsy. She kind of stops and looks at me like, really? And like I said, now she's officially retired. Um, I have an electric wheelchair. My electric chair is a fold and go. It was just under 3000. Uh, it's cheaper than a service dog. So I tell people like, just get an electric wheelchair, save your service dog. It can be very hard on them. 
If it's something like I will just hold on to their harness potentially while we're going, I'm not technically using it, um, you know, because it's just, it is hard on them and it's going to be hard on their joints for the most part. Depending, if you want just a little bit, then you could do just a little bit. Otherwise, I won't train up a thousands of dollar service dog for wheelchair pulling whenever a wheelchair is 3000. Um, just like I won't do it just for fall alert whenever an Apple watch is, how much is an Apple watch? Like 300. And even if you fall and you crack one every month because you fell, well then get Apple care. Um, and if you're like, well, no, that's not gonna cover it. Okay, still at 300 a month for an Apple watch is what 3,600 for the year. So like 10 years is about the cost of one service dog, right? Minimum. So, you know, if it's something that can, um, well, I needed to turn on and off lights, get Alexa, Alexa will help you turn on and off lights. Like let's, let's try to use, use things for good, right? Um, as Ferris didn't know, pause up, I'd never get on the grooming table, right? We use that for getting in and out of the cars because we have the big van. A little off topic, but you mentioned migraines. Is it scent or sight visual? Um, we've done before scent-based. Um, I remember the one of the last ones that we did for migraine only. Um, they moved across the country and they're not affected by the migraines anymore. So here we've, you know, she spent all this time training up the dog and now she's like, can I work them still? Because like, I'm not getting the migraines anymore because of this meds, which is pretty nice. Um, but I think it's usually scent. And I only do one scent. It might be wonky, like diabetic lows and highs. Well, it's still diabetic scent, right? Um, wonkiness, I'm not gonna do, well, here's gluten, here's migraine, here's dysautonomia, here's this. It's just like wonky, okay? Do you guys have any other questions? Because my dogs are telling me it's time to eat. And so you've been talking long enough and you're not talking to me and giving me attentions. And I would very much like attentions because I'm ginger. Hi, ginger. Yeah. And the little puppies are little chunky puppies. They're really cute. They're all really cute today. Uh, okay, then when's the next one? Let me pull up and see what we have lined up for the next one. It is uh, how to start your service puppy on 726. So that will be the next one. Um, the link tree has it where you can go and register for it. Um, just because that's that's easier. I was going to do a whole page, um, but it's much easier to just have it on the link tree because then I can update the links pretty easy and it's a one place to send everybody. So I just shared my link tree. It's link, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Hope SD. Hope SD, Hope Service Dogs, get it? And that'll have all our links on it. Um, this one's on it still because I haven't moved it yet. And then um, the next one is how to start your service puppy. And then I'll schedule up some for August also. Um, but we figured you guys need to know how to start these service puppies. If you get them at eight weeks old or if you get them a little bit later, it's still of the essence to learn how to do it. And do you know how many people have told me that like my dog was like perfectly trained at however old the dog was. and knew everything and now he knows nothing like two months later like yeah you burned him out you don't want to burn him out so how do you not burn out the dog and still sort him off right and that's what we're going to talk about so go ahead sign up for that one and i will catch you all on the flip side uh hopeservicedogs.org is the main website and it's pretty cool 
So thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you spending your evening with me. It means the world to me. Talk to you later.